<laughs> but it's okay. Because uh, we're talking about the covenant. We're talking about the covenant today. The, this is not what you got to get through your mind. Is this is not the establishment of the covenant. This is the. It's the explanation of further elements of the same covenant that we've already looked at. We'll get into that as we go. And I've got a lot of New Testament verses. You notice if you got the outline, it's like eight or nine pages. That's because I anticipated a lot of objections. And so hopefully I can answer your questions and we'll see. That's why I was wondering. I know Miss, that's why I was wondering where Miss Judy was. Um, yeah, that's what Dustin told me. We'll be praying for her and kidney stones ain't no joke. Okay, so 17, this is where, well, let's get context. 16, what happened? That was Abram's, Abram, oh, it's Abram and Sarah's really bad mess up. Yeah, that's where Hagar comes into play. Yeah, Hagar. They, they tried to help God fulfill the promise. They thought, well, since God promised it would come through Abram's body, he didn't say nothing about Sarah, so evidently we need to give Hagar to Abram and let him, you know, do his thing and have uh, Ishmael. And so that was a big mistake, big mistake, and God did not condone it. God is not going to recognize Ishmael at any time as the promised seed. But he did give grace to Hagar, and he did give grace to Ishmael. He preserved them. He promised to bless them and to make Ishmael a great nation. And as you move through Scripture, you see that they end up being a huge thorn in the side of Israel for a long time to come. Um, and so at the end of chapter 16, Abram is 85 years old. Remember, it said he had been in the land of Canaan 10 years and he was 75 when God called him. He's now 85 years old. At the beginning of chapter 17, Abram is 99 years old. So there's kind of a time gap between 16 and 17. It says in first, verse 1 uh, of 17, it says that when Abram was 90 years old and 9, when he was 99 years old. So how, what is that? From 85 to 99 is 14 years? Okay, so it's been about 14 years. It's been about 24 years now since God made the initial promise. Remember God said, called him out of Ur of the Chaldees. I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to, sons and daughters, as many as the sand of the sea and, you know, all of that. 24 years, still no son. Still no, how much land does he own at this point? Donut. Donut. None. He's still a sojourner. He's still a wanderer. He's still just there with nations all around him. And so 24 years he has been living on the promise that God made him. Doesn't see any kind of fulfillment. In fact, the last chapter was kind of, that was his reasoning for, well, let's hurry up and get it done. You know, let's get Hagar in here and we'll, we'll get it done this way. And so 24 years since that promise, it's been 14 years since um, the whole debacle with Hagar and all that kind of stuff. Now, it almost, this is just me thinking out loud, um, it almost seems like for 14 years after Abram and Sarah just messed everything up with Hagar and Ishmael and all that, for 13, 14 years, years, we don't hear anything from God. We don't hear anything. I mean, Abram and Sarah, they're just living. I mean, they're living. You got Ishmael growing up. You got everything going on. I don't know what he would have thought, but it's almost, to me, you know, 13 years is a long time. You know, it's a long time. 
to to still be waiting on a promise that God said he was going to give you. You know, if I don't know about y'all, but for me, I'm like, you know, I, okay, you know, give it to me now. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, it's been it's been 48 hours. Okay, now I'm ready. All right, come on. We're talking about 13 years. We're talking about 14 years. Talking about 24 years since the promise that he's waiting. It says, the Lord finally appears to him again at 99 years old, verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. That's the first time you see El Shaddai. That's what Almighty God means. That's the first time he calls himself El Shaddai in the scripture. Uh, Walk before me and be thou perfect and I will make my covenant with me and thee and will multiply thy seed uh, exceedingly. Now, This is the first time that God has given stipulations that Abram must do. Okay? Now here's where we get into some thorny issues. This is the same covenant. This is not a different covenant. This is not a a new covenant with Abram. This is the same covenant. Um, The difference is there is an expected response to the covenant that God expects of Abram. The covenant has been in place now for... You know, at least 14 years, probably more like, you know, remember when he cut the pieces in half and walked through the pieces with God? That was the formula, that was the formalization, the enacting of the covenant. So since that time, at least 14 years, probably longer, the covenant has been in place. Here, God is elucidating, he's clarifying the covenant. He is, he's giving Abram more information. The covenant is already a done deal. It was given by grace. God did it himself. Uh, He walked through the pieces himself here is the expected response now does that that works with us as well i mean with the new covenant that we're we're under the covenant is given to us free of charge it's a gift of grace he died for our sins and there's nothing you can do to earn it nothing you can do to maintain it but god does give us his word he does give us his nature his character that he explains in his word we are to respond to that gift aren't we we're to respond Respond in faith. We respond in obedience. We respond in walking after His ways. Over and over again, Jesus said, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." And so we are given a response to the covenant, although our covenant doesn't depend on our obedience. Does that make sense? Yeah. Y'all with me? This is the response. He said, "This is what I want you to do. You will walk before me." That means. Open, honest. That means you will not be deceptive or deceiving or, or try, you know, you will walk before me. You will uh, put yourself under my protection and my my care. My, You know, you will walk honestly and openly before me. Um, come to me when you sin and repent and uh, walk obediently before me. You will walk before me and it says you will be, uh, walk before me and be thou perfect. That word perfect means whole. It means complete. Yeah, complete. It doesn't mean sinless. It's perfect in the same way that it's the same word that's used for Noah, where it says he was blameless in his generation. He was, you know, and Job was blameless. It doesn't mean sinless. It doesn't mean never committing a sin. It means it means holy. So when he's saying not holy like holy, holy, but W-H-O-L, holy walking before me with everything that you have, completely and totally giving yourself to me and walking before for me openly and in devotion to me. Got it? Questions? Comments? Okay. 
So he's defining the covenant and he says, and I will make my covenant. Now, this this really, I mean, I had to do some studying on this because the word make there in Hebrew is the word natan. That's the word forgive. And I looked in every, I looked in every English translation that I own. And none of them say give. Some say establish. Some say make. Some say... And that that's strange to me because the word is give. It says I'll give my cup. I mean, and so it's weird. So maybe they have some information that I don't have, but the word is is give. Uh, I'll give my covenant. Now, it doesn't make that big of a difference, but what it's saying is it's a, it's a gift of grace. He's giving, he's giving his covenant of grace to him. It says I'll make my covenant between you and I'll multiply your seed accordingly. What did Abram do? Yeah, the next verse. He fell down to his face. He worshiped. He worshiped God. He worshiped God. Respond in worship. Now, what God's going to do here from verse 4 pretty much to the end of the chapter, well, to verse 22, he is going to lay out the stipulations and the promises of the covenant. Okay? And it's as simple as that. It's probably not going to be the most exciting and earth-shaking uh lecture that you've ever heard, but you can interact with me and it won't be a lecture, but uh, he is going to lay out what he promises to do and uh, he's going to lay out what Abram must do. Okay? And we already know what that is. Okay. So, verse 4 says, as for me, this is this is what he says. This is He says first, he says, my part, then Abram's part, then Sarah. He includes Sarah in the covenant as well. He says, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. That's not, not anything new. We've seen that before. Although now, instead of being the father of a great nation, he's going to be the father of many nations. This has opened up now because because uh, because of Ishmael, when he talks about being the father of many nations, this is what here's what I want you to see, and this is going to simplify everything. So y'all, if you don't get anything, get this one thing: the New Testament, over and again, in every stage of what we see here, is going to interpret God's words in this covenant as being fulfilled in Jesus Christ and his people. Okay? So when he says the father of many nations, yes, physically that is a reality. He's the father of the Ishmaelites. He's the father of the Israelites. He's the father of Esau. It was the Edomites. And, you know, there's a bunch of ites in there we could go through. He's the father of all of these nations that came from Abram. But the reality, if you remember when we, when we went back to Galatians chapter 3, we go to Romans chapter 4. Paul uses this as we are the sons of Abraham because of faith, because of the promise. I think I wrote it down. Yeah, Romans chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. All this is in the outline, so you don't have to write it down. It says, And Abraham, this is the father of the circumcision, to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps uh, that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet un circumcised. Abraham had faith before he was circumcised. It says, For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abram, Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And so over and again, the New Testament is going to take these I'm talking about the nation's promise, the seed promise. I'm talking about 
the land promise, which is a very big controversial deal, I'm sure. The New Testament takes these promises over and again and, and apportions them to the, the covenant in Jesus Christ as their fulfillment. Okay? Y'all with me? Yeah. So this is not just history lessons that I'm telling you. So we talk about Abraham and we talk about the covenant God made. This is not something for way back. This is something that deals directly with us because these are fulfilled in Jesus Christ in our union with him and with the body of Christ. Okay? Y'all with me? All right. Y'all sure are quiet looking at me like, ooh, I wish I had some coffee. Okay. So... Father of many nations, and then he gets his. Then he gets. Uh, then he's going to change his name. Neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Any y'all read the outline? Yes. What was Abram's name? What does Abram mean? Abram. Oh, don't look it up now. No, that's Abraham. Abram meant father, exalted father. And God changed his name to father of many nations, the father of, father of multitude. God changed his name in to, uh, to uh, signify the covenant that he is now under. And it's going to, everything's going to start moving a whole lot quicker now. Uh, it's within a year. He's going to, uh, chapter 18 and 19, we're going to get into Sodom and Gomorrah and all that. And so that'll be more exciting. Do you relate that to like when Christ changed from Saul to Paul? Even though it wasn't a covenant, but he, he, he did change him in the spiritual realm. He changed him in the spiritual realm, but he didn't change his name. If, right. you, if you look in Acts, uh, Paul is still, Saul is still called Saul all the way up until Acts 13. Right. And then his, he, it just says he starts calling him Paul. So that's something that you hear we, when we went through Acts. We talked about that was Jesus never came and actually said, from now on, your name is Paul. I think Saul was his Hebrew name. Paul was his Greek name. I always seen on prominent men, of course, it's only a couple of times like this, that God changed the person's name. Oh, yeah, yeah. When something drastically happened. Absolutely, and yeah, and it changed. Right. And the, back then, too, names dealt with character. It dealt with destiny. It dealt with uh, who you are as a person. You're going to see uh, you're gonna see that all through these old, old, the Old Testament. Uh, same way with uh, Jacob is going to change his name to uh, Israel. Right. And so when those things happened, God gave them a name to signify who they were in him. And so, yeah, I do believe. And to be honest, I'm tickled to death because now I don't have to say Abram anymore. I can just say Abraham. <laughs> I can just say Abraham and I won't have to worry about it. Um he says, verse 6, you know, you're going to be a multi multitudes come for you, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, make nations of thee, and kings will come out of thee. Now, that's a, that's a big promise for Abram. He's a tent dweller. You know, he's not a king. He's a soldier. He owns zero land in the promised land so far. Nothing. I mean, he's rich. He's got lots of tents, lots of stuff, but he's a nomadic guy. I mean, there's nations all around him. Remember, he just went, you know, a couple of chapters before on a big mission to fight against a bunch of these kings, and God's saying, kings are going to come out of you. You're going to be a father of, of, uh, of many nations. And that fulfillment, I'm going, to, I'm going to hit this every time we go through a promise, the fulfillment that the New Testament portrays as kings will come from you. Of course, David's going to come from Abraham and all that. But the fulfillment is what king? Jesus. Yeah, okay. Now you're getting it. I was good. Let me read uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It says, 
That's the very beginning, and we, we blow through it when we read it. You ever, you ever read through Matthew? Don't lie. Y'all know y'all blow right through that genealogy and go start to the next deal. The very first verse, the very first verse is the fulfillment of this kings will come from you. It says, verse 1, it says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, one king, the son of Abraham. And so he's talking about Jesus being the fulfillment of the Davidic promise and the Abraham. Abrahamic promise. And so this kings will come from you finds its ultimate fulfillment. Lots of lots of fulfillment. I mean, lots of kings came from Abraham. So it has a physical fulfillment, but its ultimate fulfillment is in Jesus Christ. Am I connecting the dots for you? You seeing it? Okay. All this is not just Old Testament history. This has to do with you and the covenant that you live under in Christ. And so it says, I'm going to make you uh, many nations. Verse 7, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. Who is thy seed? Who is his seed? It is Jesus. That's, that's the ultimate fulfillment. Who's the direct fulfillment? Who's his seed? Who's his son? Isaac. Isaac. That's the direct fulfillment, the nation that comes from Isaac. But the ultimate and true perfect fulfillment comes through Jesus Christ, which is Abraham's great, 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 great grandson. See? So the ultimate, Paul will say, we are Abraham's seed. It says, um... Romans 9, verse 6 through 8 says, Not as though the word of God had taken no effect, for they, they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac the seed shall be called. That means that it's not Ishmael just because he's the son of Abraham, but it was Isaac. And he says, That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Romans 9, that's verse 8. Okay? So the ultimate fulfillment, the seed of Abraham, which inherits the promise, is who? <coughs> just a hint for you. Whenever you're asked a question in church, the right answer is Jesus. Okay, just say Jesus. I told the youth that one time, uh, and they said, I said, where do y'all want to go for outing this out? Is it Jesus? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's Christ. It's all those. It's all of us who are united to Christ. If we are united, Christ is the seed, the perfect seed, the fulfillment of the seed. And we are united with Christ in his death, burial, resurrection. So that makes us co-heirs with Christ. You see how we're an heir. We're, Christ is the heir, the one who inherits the the creation, the perfected creation and the, the, all of the covenants of God and we are co-heirs with him. We are, he is the firstborn of many brethren, the Bible says. And so it has to do with us. It has to do with us and who we are in, in Christ. And the idea of the seed goes back to the garden. Remember? What was the first promise God made? The first promise he made as he was cursing the serpent. He said... Yeah, I'm going to make, there's going to be a seed of the woman that's going to come. 
and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, he's gonna crush your head, and you're gonna bruise his heel. And so, from the very first, the very first section in Genesis, all the way to the last book of Revelation, it's one story about one people that God is redeeming for Himself, redeeming for Himself, and saving out of sin and death. Okay, understand? Cool. Well, I'm good. Here's where controversy happens. And it's okay to disagree with me. Just go on home and be wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. This is where the controversy happens. Have you noticed, have you noticed that every promise that we've seen, I've read you New Testament passages that interpret the promise in terms of who Christ is and what Christ has done. There is a direct fulfillment. There is a physical fulfillment. But the ultimate fulfillment is in Christ. I believe the New Testament teaches that is the same thing with the land that is promised. Okay? So it says in verse 8, And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Okay? Uh, Paul interpreted this quote-unquote land as being fulfilled in the entirety of the new heavens and new earth. We as the seed of Christ, the seed of Abraham, with covenant with him, we are going to be given the new heavens and the new earth, the perfect land where there's no enemies, there's no death, parting, a true promised land. He says that in Romans 4.13. Let me read it to you. It says, for the promise that he, talking about Abraham, for the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through righteousness of faith. You cannot find me anywhere in Genesis where God promised Abraham, I'm going to give you the whole world. But Paul interprets the promise of this wonderful land, this, this promised land. He interprets that as the new heavens and the new earth. Creation is groaning to get back to the perfection that it started. It began, the quote-unquote promised land started in Eden. And it was perfect and everything was wonderful and it was supposed to grow. It was supposed to expand until it covered the whole earth. And of course, you know the story. Everything got messed up. Everything was, and when mankind was fruitful and multiplied and expanded across the earth, sin and the curse expanded with him rather than perfection and beauty and the image of God and all those kind of things. Well, God has, God is working in his covenants to bring that to pass. And we know that one day there will be a new heavens, new earth, and it will be the perfection that it was always supposed to be. Okay. I've got two let me read these verses to you just so it's okay. It, this is not an issue that we break fellowship over. So if disagree, that's fine. The writer of Hebrews interprets the land the same way. Hebrews 11.10, it says, For he looked, talking about Abram, Abraham, he looked for a city. This is what he was desiring, was a city with foundations whose builder and maker was God. And if you read on down in Hebrews 11, I'm going to read you verses 13 through 16. Okay, follow with me. Listen to Listen to what he's saying. Follow the argument. Hebrews 11, chapter 13, I mean, chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. I'm going to read all of them. Just those three verses, or four, 13, 14, 15, four verses. I'm going to count on my fingers. 
it says, these, and these are being Abraham and Sarah, that's who he's talking about right before, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. When Abram, we're going to see Abram, when Abram dies, Abraham dies, he is going to be the owner of zero land. He's going to own his grave. That's it. He's going to buy and he's going to pay for that. He's going to pay for a grave, pay for a, a, a tomb. Uh, he says, they all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them far off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They were strangers, pilgrims on the earth. Now listen, it says, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a a country. He was seeking a country. Abraham was seeking his whole life. He was seeking a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country, if they had wanted that country, the promised land from whence they came out, they might have opportunity to have returned. Now, here's what I want you to see. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to call them their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Y'all with me? That's a lot. That's a lot to read. That's a lot to read. And so everything that we see in this Genesis 17, every part of this Abrahamic covenant is there is a literal fulfillment. Joshua is going to take the land. He's going to take the promise. He is going to live in the land of Canaan. Israel's going to live. I mean, they are given the land, but the ultimate fulfillment is the new heavens and the new earth in Christ. It's talking about the land where there will be no more curse. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more party, no more dying, no more sickness, no more sin, no more, no more battles to fight, no more, no more of any of that. Y'all with me? Yeah. Is that something we look forward to? That's yeah. something I look forward to, for sure. All right. But Abram is given, Abraham, now I'm going to say Abram all the time. Abraham is given covenant responsibility. In verse 9, he says, And God said to Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, and thou thy seed all after thee in their generations. And this is how you keep the covenant. You ready? Verse 10, This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. Just a little note of advice. Good luck trying to teach the circumcision of your foreskin to a bunch of teenagers. That's a hard lesson to do. Um, that is that is the that is the sign. This is the sign. He says, "You shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. It shall be a token." That word "token" means sign. It shall be a sign of the covenant. This is not the covenant. This is not the. This is a sign of the covenant. Okay. It's an outward sign of an inward reality. But don't fall into the trap. Listen, this is very important. Just because just because a male in Abraham's household was circumcised does not mean that they're part of the covenant. It means that they have received the sign of the covenant that they are part of Abraham's household. At the end of this chapter, Ishmael is going to be circumcised. Ishmael is not part of the covenant line. So 
The covenant, the, the right relationship with God is always been what it is today. It's by grace through faith. What's the sign of the covenant that we do today? Baptism. It's baptism. Believer's baptism. That's the sign of the covenant. Does baptism save you? No. Does going down in the water change your heart? No, no. And circumcision didn't do that either. Circumcision didn't change anybody. It was a sign of the covenant. Now, you're 99 years old and somebody tells you to circumcise yourself. That's some devotion, Jack. You talking about faith. You talking about faith. Come on now. That showed some faith, son. I'm telling you. And 13-year-old Ishmael's like, you're going to cut what? <laughs> no. 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 I don't think so. And so this is a... This is a, it's a foretaste of the true circumcision. Let me read, I, I printed this out so I could read it to you. The true circumcision is a circumcision of the heart. Okay? Now listen. It's a physical sign of an inward reality, just like Jennifer said, a circumcision of the heart. Let me read these verses to you. Jeremiah 9, 26. It says, Egypt and Judah, this is Jeremiah pronouncing, Egypt and Judah and Edom and the children of Ammon and Moab and all that are in the utmost corners that dwell in the wilderness, for all these nations are uncircumcised and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. That's what Jeremiah said. So even back in the Old Testament days, they understood the reality was a cutting away of the ugliness of the heart. You know, now I'm trying to get graphic, but when you circumcise, you know, you you get rid of that little, you know, <laughs> I, it reminds me of a, this. Is probably, I might have to edit this out, but it reminds me of a little meme somebody sent me at, at the hospital that said it was a, a, a Jewish circumcision guy. And he says he's really cheap. He just works for tips. <laughs> Come on now. Y'all know that was funny. <laughs> anyway, uh, and so he says, um, so the, the point is a circumcision of the heart. The circumcision, that's funny to me. The circumcision of the heart. Uh, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, it says, And the Lord thy God, this is a promise Moses gave to the people before they went in the promised land. The Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart. So the reality is a circumcision, a cutting away of the filth of the heart, a cutting away of the sin of the heart. And that is symbolized in the cutting away of the, you know, the thing there, the, the foreskin, whatever you want to call it. It's a circumcision of the heart. And this is appropriated again in the New Testament. Colossians 2 verses 11 and 12. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, where also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. It says, You've been circumcised with a circumcision not made of hands. Y'all quit smiling when I say circumcision, please. It's making it really hard to. What's that at? That's Colossians 2, verses 11 and 12. And then in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, all these are in the outline. So if you're having trouble keeping up, you can just download the outline. It's on jasonvelada.com. 
For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision, but faith, which worketh by love. And so even in the New Testament, he's saying the, the act of cutting away the foreskin, the sign of the covenant, that's not the deal. That's never been the deal. It's a circumcision of your heart. It's a pointing to the faith of your heart. Okay? Y'all with me? Yeah. Any questions? Comments? So you so why is it that some people, even nowadays, don't believe in the circumcision? But yet they're claiming to be of God and Christians and stuff like that. Well, I don't understand the question. They don't believe... Say that again? They don't agree with with circumcision. But yet, like they themselves don't want to be circumcised well, like their children. Yeah. yeah. Their children. They don't circumcise their children, but yet they claim to be, you know, Christians and and all that. So how would all that play? I don't think it matters. Okay. As far as being a Christian, Paul said circumcision or uncircumcision is not now they do it today here in America for health reasons, you know, for like right. you know, uh one of y'all can help me with that. I'm not yeah. even getting into that. Yeah, that kind of that, that's why they do it. So it's not a matter of it's not a matter of being righteous with God or covenant with God or anything like that. They do it because you know that's why for health reasons. Um, but uh, that'd be the same if a person you know. And I'm not checking at the door <laughs> if people walk in. I'm sorry, uh, that's not gonna happen. I don't care if they walk in. If if they walk in, whatever they are or aren't, you know, I'm gonna give them the gospel. So it, it doesn't matter whether you are or not. You you can be if you trust in Christ, your heart has been circumcised, huh? But in your outline, you said to for forsake the circumcision was to forsake the covenant. At this time, yes. The sign of the covenant. Okay. Now, what it, now listen, what it's doing here, and he, he's going to get to, let me read that verse and then we'll talk about that. It says, uh, uh, verse, where we're at, 12, it says, And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man, child, your generation, that's the babies. He that is born in the house and bought with money, that's even the people that work among you, the servants, the slaves, all those. He that is born in his house, he that is bought with money must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Verse 14, And the uncircumcised man-child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul, means that life, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Understand that what he is saying is that to deny the to deny the outward um, sign of the covenant is a demonstration that you have not the inward reality of the covenant. You see what I mean? It's the same way today. If a person uh, a person gets saved here, making it publicly known, and says, I, "I refuse to be baptized. I refuse to be baptized. I refuse to do any of that." Now, I wouldn't say, "Oh, well, then you can't be a Christian if you won't be baptized." You know, I wouldn't say baptism is you know necessary for you to be saved but I would have lots of questions are you sure that you've trusted Christ because if you if you refuse to be obedient to Christ that's a pretty good indication that your faith isn't real I mean that's a I can't judge your heart I don't know I'm just saying that's a big that's a big red flag that's a big red flag and I'm not saying perfect obedience is necessary you know I'm talking about people who walking after Christ the same thing we were talking about in the sermon this morning if a person lives their life refusing to follow Christ refusing to desire his commands his will refusing to be in relationship with him I gotta tell you 
I doubt that you're I doubt that you're a believer. I, I doubt that you have the tr- the faith inside of you. And notice also, I didn't go into a big thing in this outline because I, I have to kind of pick and choose what we're going to talk about. But there is no covenant with God that is outside of the people of God. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church and I don't hang with no Christians and I don't fellowship with the believe." That's that is completely foreign to Scripture. Mm-hmm. Completely foreign. He says he is cut off from his people. Cut off from the people. He has broken the covenant of God. And you can see that on in the New Testament as well. All the letters are written to the churches, and all the U's, for instance. Uh, if you speak another language like like Spanish or French or something like that, you'll have two different kind of U's. We don't have it in English. Like there's one U that's I'm talking to you, and then there's one U that I'm talking to y'all. You know, I'm talking to plural y'all. All the U's, no weapon formed against you. It's plural. Uh, my God shall supply your every need. Plural. It's not singular. It's plural. It's talking to the church, talking to the people of God. And so you can see that all through this, no no covenant with God, no relationship with God outside of God's people. Not saying you got to be part of this church. If you're, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying if you're united with Christ, you're united to the people who are united with Christ. Got it? Y'all with me? Okay. Oh, man, we got to hurry up. All right. Faith is demonstrated. Verse 15 and 16. God said to Abraham, As for thy wife Sarah, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Sarah means princess. It's uh, uh, from the word uh, Sar means prince or leader. It's where we get the word czar, like the Russian word czar. Uh, so you add an ah at the end of a Hebrew word, it makes it feminine. Sarah, you know Sarah. I'm not going to be saying Sarah. I'm going to be saying Sarah. You know, so that's what he renamed Sarah. Sarah, and he says, I will bless her. I will give thee a son also of her. Yeah, I will bless her and she shall be the mother of nations. King of the pe- Kings of people shall come from her, be out of her. Now, all of a sudden, Sarah's name's mentioned. This is the first time up until now. It's just Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. Now, all of a sudden, how old is Sarah? Y'all know Abraham's 99. How old is Sarah? 89. Yeah, she's 90. She's right right in there. 10 years younger than Abraham. And so, okay, my 90-year-old wife shouldn't have, be a mother of nations. How many kids she have right now? Zero. Um, yay. Good luck. What would you think? You would think, I think that's the same thing Abraham thinks. He says, and I'll bless her. And then Abraham fell on his face, 17, and he laughed. He said in his heart, in his heart now, he didn't say it to God. Of course, God knows what he said, but he said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that's 100 years old, and shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? Now, there's some question here, and to be honest, I don't have a definitive answer. Is Abraham just flat out doubting the promise, or is just he having a moment of... You know, is he having a moment of frustration and doubt, or is he just flat out, I ain't no way that's facing to happen. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think it's a moment of, you know, he's been waiting 24 years. God, if you would have showed up 20 years earlier, I mean, okay, but here we are, 190. He's having a moment of frustration, a moment of doubt, a moment, because we're going to see at the end of this chapter when God says, okay, that's it. Abraham takes off that day and, and circumcises everybody in his house. And so he does believe and he does trust. He's just having this moment of, it's sinful. He laughs. And you're going to see Sarah is going to laugh in the next chapter as well. And so because he laughed, 
God names his son Isaac. He says he names his son Isaac. Where is it? Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son. 19. Thou shalt call his name Isaac. Yitzhak in Hebrew means... Laughter. Yeah. Can you imagine? Isn't that, isn't that a turn of events? Yeah. So every time you... Uh, uh, Isaac, every time you say his name, you're going to remember you laughed when God promised. You laughed, right? You laughed when God made the promise to you. Every time you call the boy's name, you're saying, laughter, come here. Laughter, come here. And so he names him Isaac. And uh, uh, I will multiply him, or no, uh, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and will be a seed. Now, um, Abram, wait a minute, I, I missed the verse, didn't I? 18 said, and Abram said, Oh, unto God, oh, that Ishmael like, might live before thee. He laughed. He said, we're 100 years old. We don't have no kid. What did he do? He pleads for the son he's got. He's a 13, 14-year-old boy right here. I got one right here. Just put your promise on him. God says, no. I mean, that is his, his exact. And God, and God says, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son. Thou shalt call his name Isaac. I'm going to give you a promised son, laughter, and I'll establish my covenant with him. He says, but as for Ishmael, what's Ishmael's name mean? You remember? Nobody remembers? Y'all need to take notes or something. Ishmael means God hears. God has heard. Right? Remember? And so, verse 20, as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. I have heard thee. Behold, I, I will bless him, make him fruitful, make him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee this set time in the next year. This, this time next year, she's going to have a son. And so this 24-year waiting, next year at this time, she's going to have a son. When the people, when the three, when the God comes to Abram in the tent and, and right before the, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, Sarah's going to overhear this. You're going to have a son within a year and she's going to laugh and God's going to rebuke her as well. Abraham's faith. This is it. We're, we're done. It says, and he left off talking with him. God left. And Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all that were born in his house, all that were born with his money, all the people. He circumcised them that day. Abraham was 90 years old, nine, when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. Ishmael was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. Then the same day, Abraham circumcised and Ishmael, his son, were. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that's some demonstrated faith. Because... You ever met anybody? No, okay, never mind. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine being a servant in Abraham's house? What, what, what are we in line for? What's it? We getting, we getting extra food or something? Yeah. What? Uh-uh. And you're getting something taken off the plate. <laughs> yeah. And it's also amazing that was that me having that done, all of the infection didn't go rampant. Yeah. No. And right there has to show that that was like. Yeah. And we can get into it. The reality of it, it was in, it was, it was there in that place because the promise was of a seed that would come forth to crush the serpent's head and the crust. So without getting gross, we could, we could get into that. Let's pray and we'll go. We, we run late. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you've given us. God, we thank you that we enjoy those